Yes, I know the New Orleans Saints went out and got Derek Carr as their new starting quarterback, and that was a great move. However, Taysom Hill still deserves his fair share of quarterback snaps. We got all that and a little bit of Lanyap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to this Wednesday episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you could subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so that you never miss a daily episode episode. If you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, you can do so today over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints. And I am your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media. You can find me as the senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked on Saints, on today's episode, it is Wednesday, so we're going to get into our midweek fundamentals to close out the show. We'll take a look at some of the most overused phrases that we use when it comes to minicamp and OTAs and define exactly what they mean. We're also going to take a look at how Taysom Hill's receiving role, the pass-catching role, can be expanding in 2023, but I want to start off with the biggest part of what Taysom Hill does so incredibly well, and that is what he can do under Center, Because even though the New Orleans Saints went out and got Derek Carr, there is no reason that we should expect and there is no reason that the New Orleans Saints should even consider taking Taysom Hill's fair share of quarterback snaps out of the playbook. He should still be taking those snaps. And I know a lot of people are going to kind of wonder, well, how would that make Derek Carr feel? Is that going to cause an issue of some way? No, it's not. Derek Carr wants to catch a touchdown pass from Taysom Hill. That's the thing that he wants to do. What does Derek Carr need to happen in order for him to catch a touchdown pass from Taysom Hill? Well, Taysom Hill has to take the lineup at quarterback. So he sees the value. And of course, it's in jest that he wants to catch. Well, I don't know. I don't think it's in jest. I think he does want to catch a touchdown. I don't actually think that that's, that that is, uh, that that's fake. But obviously, it's his way of kind of jovially, jovially saying, I'm not bothered by the idea of Taysom Hill taking quarterback snaps. Listen, Derek Carr got an up-close-and-personal view just last year of how much a guy like Taysom Hill can impact the game. That 24-0 shutout was one of uh, a few games in which the New Orleans Saints had Taysom Hill take 10 or more QB snaps. He did that in a total of uh, seven games last year. Over the course of those seven games where Taysom Hill took 10 or more snaps at quarterback, the Saints went five and two, and that includes when they got it right at the end of the season and went three and one to close out the year where they were trying to go four and zero. Oh, but in each one of those games, as they went three and one to close it out against the Atlanta Falcons, against the Cleveland Browns, against the Philadelphia Eagles, Taysom Hill saw more than ten quarterback snaps, and in those games, he performed as well. It wasn't just a situation in which they handed the ball to him and allowed him to play that quarterback role and then he did nothing with it. No, that's not the case at all. He was able to turn it on. He was able to be the guy at the end of the Cleveland Browns game that closed out that game. He was the guy that during the Seattle Seahawks game absolutely decimated 
the Seattle Seahawks. He had a nice game up against the uh, Atlanta Falcons at the end of the year as well. And he had a nice game against the Atlanta Falcons to open the season too. We just don't talk about that because of the way that that game actually ended up in the exciting fourth quarter that closed that game out. But remember, Taysom Hill's two runs early on in the game, including a touchdown run, is exactly what rejuvenated and kind of put a spark at that New Orleans Saints offense early. So when we look at what he did over the course of those games, 14 rushes against the Philadelphia Eagles for 46 yards and a touchdown. He also, uh, against Cleveland, nine rushes for 56 yards and a touchdown. Uh, against the Atlanta Falcons toward the end of the season, seven rushes for 30 yards. No touchdown in that game in terms of uh, in terms of rushing, but he threw uh, twice for 80 yards and threw a touchdown. So you can see the value of having Taysom Hill under center, and there's no reason to stop that now. Sure, maybe you don't have him go out there on a first and 10 or a, a second and 10 in situations where you might want to mix that in during the sort of like Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton experience and the Trevor Simeon experience and the Ian Book experience that you've had over the course of the past couple of years, sure, maybe you can find some reasons to say, okay, well, let's just do it and see what happens. But for this particular structure, you don't necessarily have to do that with Derek Carr. So it can change in terms of what the deployment looks like, how often he's utilized, what situations is he utilized in. But there's no reason to not have him on the field in a third and short situation. There's no reason to have to not have him on the field in a second and short situation. Let's say that uh, the Saints come out first first drive of the year. Derek Carr goes out there, completes the first play, is a, a, a first and 10, nine-yard pass from him to Michael Thomas. And then you hear all the commentators saying, well, you know, it's the return of Michael Thomas. This is the story that we've all been watching, the connection between Derek Carr and Michael Thomas. What's it all going to be like? Yeah, Derek Carr comes off the field the very next play, and who's in on second and one? Taysom Hill, because you can do anything you want on second and one with Taysom Hill in the game. You want to throw the ball? Fine. You want to run with him? Fine. You want to run with Jamal Williams behind him? Fine. The defense is so stressed out because you have a whole other down after this if it doesn't work out. I mean, you got to be careful to not turn the ball over, not throw an interception, not lose yardage, but you could say the same thing about first intent. Be careful not to turn the ball over. Be careful not to throw an interception. Be careful not to lose yardage. You're going to have the same issues. And so when you come in on a second and 10 or a second and one, and let's go even further than that. Let's say that it's the second drive and the Saints have moved the ball down to the 50 yard line. And then on a first and 10 from the 50, Derek Carr completes a nine yard pass to Michael Thomas. Now, all of a sudden, it's a second and one from the, from the opposing 41. That's shot territory. You can do anything you want from that position and in that game situation. So that's the thing that I look at is that like there were really good reasons to continue to fold Taysom Hill in at quarterback. The first of which is that the Saints are successful when he plays quarterback, right? When he gets those things. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean when he's a starter and he plays the entire game. No, no. Remember, it's kind of like Alvin Kamara. When all of a sudden you're asking Alvin Kamara to be the bell cow back, the efficiency comes down. But when he gets to be the change of pace guy, you get him out in space and the efficiency goes up. Same thing for Taysom Hill. It works because of the change of pace. It works because of the stress you're putting on the defense. So you can utilize Taysom Hill to put more and more and more stress on defense, especially early in the season, as opposed to waiting until late in the season when the Saints felt like they finally figured something out with Taysom Hill there, where you still have Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, potentially Alvin Kamara, and Jamal Williams, and Juwan Johnson, and Foster Moreau, and Kendra Miller. You have all of those guys on the field with Taysom Hill, as opposed to, you know, weeks 15, 16, 17, 18, where in 2022, your roster was completely depleted. 
And so what were you really going to be able to do? It had to be just Taysom doing Taysom things. And thankfully, they were able to do that. And he was also able to get stuff done with Rashid Shaheed as well. So that's the thing that I look at when it comes to why it's important for Taysom Hill to continue to get those quarterback snaps. When he gets them and when he's effective, the Saints win games. And when the Saints are winning games, they can turn to him because it's not always the correlation versus causation conversation, right? Like we always try to have that conversation here on the show. So it just doesn't mean that you give Taysom Hill 10 snaps at quarterback and all of a sudden you win games. But if he's producing, it helps you win games. And if you're in a game situation to where you are ahead, see the Las Vegas Raiders game, right? The Saints were the Saints defense shut out the Raiders. Alvin Kamara went off for three touchdowns, but Taysom Hill still played a role in that game for helping to convert third downs, helping to, to extend drives, helping to do this, that, and the other. So when you're in position to win games, he can help you solidify those wins. You can also see the Cleveland Browns game for that if you need evidence as well. Where the Saints didn't even use him during the first half, but put him in and no pun intended because it was so cold outside, iced the Cleveland Browns using Taysom. So I think that it is of the New Orleans Saints' best interest, even with Derek Carr now added on to this roster, that Taysom Hill continues to get his quarterback snaps in 2023. But that won't be his only role. He was moved to tight end and only caught nine passes last season. So how will the New Orleans Saints get him more involved as a pass catcher? Let's break that down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Major League Baseball is fully underway and in full swing. So you're going to want to head over to FanDuel today to make sure that you are getting in on all of that action. And the best way to do it, especially if you are a new customer, is to head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. That's going to give you a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 in bonus bets that comes back to you if your first bet doesn't win, meaning there's no losing when it comes to your first bet over at FanDuel. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can get in on the Major League Baseball odds, College World Series odds, future and early NFL odds, even all the way to the end of the season. You can bet on your Super Bowl winner, your your division or your conference champions, your end of year awards like MVP, comeback player of the year, defensive, offensive rookie of the year, all of that. There's so much for you to check out over at FanDuel today. And the best way to do it is by heading over to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. It's FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. For all you everydayers out there, tomorrow begins our position battle preview, kind of our camp preview series. We're going to start off by taking a look at the battle between Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo. The first thing we'll do is set up the battle, show you, you know, why these guys are at this place. Then we'll take a look at one, Alante Taylor. We'll look at the other, Paulson Adebo. And then by the end, maybe you'll have your mind made up about who you want to see win. But remember, it's all going to be figured out in training camp. We're going to do that every week, every Thursday, looking at the biggest position battles for the New Orleans Saints heading up to training camp at the end of July. Today, though, we're focused on Taysom Hill for uh, parts one and two of the show. We discuss why he deserves the quarterback snap still and how he impacts the game in favor of the New Orleans Saints when he gets them. But... He can also impact the game in a positive way for the New Orleans Saints as a pass catcher 
as well. Remember, the Saints moved him, officially designated him as a tight end in last year's uh, season, but he only caught nine passes and he didn't get targeted a ton either. It's not like he you know, was targeted a ton and only had so many catches or anything like that, but he was only targeted 13 times, picked up 77 yards, but did find the end zone as a receiver twice. So finding the end zone as a receiver on two of your nine catches, not so bad. Uh, but I think that there are a couple of different things that could have played into him not getting a larger role as a tight end than we expected. I think the first of which was the were the the injuries along the entire team, right? I mean, you were dealing with injuries at quarterback with Jameis Winston. You kind of needed Taysom Hill to mix in with Andy Dalton quite a bit. We saw that more and more as the season went on. I also think that the injuries in the backfield, the injuries at tight end, the things like that, that, you know, forced him to be a little bit more of a blocker, uh, need to play a little bit more of a blocking role as opposed to going out there and running routes, things like that. I think that that kind of got in the way for them as well. So I, I look at that as sort of being some of the situational things that impacted Taysom Hill's ability to get more involved as a pass catcher. Uh, New Orleans media spoke with Taysom Hill during mini camps, asked him to kind of clarify a little bit about his role. And he said that he's feeling a lot more comfortable about where things are with the New Orleans Saints this year than where they were last year. Uh, he also mentioned that there are, there's you know a, a concerted effort, I think, in order for or, or for them to kind of develop him further into a larger pass catching role. That's the place where they expect his role to expand a bit going into 2023. Now, we'll see if that's actually the case. They did say, or Taysom did say specifically, that they're still kind of figuring out what it is that they plan to do with him and what his role is, which is a little bit different than what we've been hearing before, which is just that it's going to be what we saw last year. Not much is going to change, but not much is going to change does leave room for something to change. So maybe what the, that's what they're working to figure out. But it seems that all kind of signs, trails, whatever, are pointing back to him developing more and being utilized more as a pass catcher. And I think that that could be good for New Orleans, because if you think about it, Pass catching is becoming kind of, it's becoming very consistent across all positions for New Orleans. Alvin Kamara, of course, one of the best pass catching backs in the NFL. They bring in Eno Benjamin last year. He adds to that. Kendra Miller has that ability. Jamal Williams absolutely has that ability and has focused on further developing that ability. They're moving um, uh, Kirk Merritt to running back. So maybe there's a Ty Montgomery-like role for him, although it'll mostly be special teams. I don't know that he's going to have many opportunities on offense, but hey, if there's enough injuries, if there's enough opportunity there, he's somebody that could potentially plug in there. If you look at the addition of Lynn Bowden Jr., he's somebody that has that uh, pass-catching prowess as well. Look at the tight ends, Juwan Johnson, Foss Moreau, Lucas Kroll, uh, Jesse James. They're all good pass catchers. Now you can fold Taysom Hill into that role. And then, of course, you have the wide receivers. And so the identity of this New Orleans Saints team, which has often been you know, two tight end big sets where you want to block and then be able to run the ball and then set up your passing game with your run game. It looks, or that's where it's been over the course of like the recent past, but it's kind of creeping its way back to, hey, the run game's really important and we want to be able to establish that kind of presence and that dominance, especially in the trenches and all that. However, the short passing game is a part of the run game. Building off of that passing game, being able to attack further downfield, being able to dice up and kind of move more meticulously with the ball. It's harder to do that in the NFL, but it's something that the New Orleans Saints scheme and system has shown that it's been able to do in the past with the right situation, with the right talent operating that system in that scheme. And so I think that a guy like Taysom Hill can contribute to that because he can be somebody that 
you don't necessarily need to run the deep routes. He becomes another body over the middle of the field. He becomes a body to where you can have him run that split zone action to where he's uh, lined up on one side of the offensive line, starts his motion. They snap the ball as he's running his motion. He crosses the field behind the line of scrimmage and then ends up leaking out towards the opposite side of the field in the flats. Those types of things are things you can do with Taysom Hill. Take advantage of his speed. Get him in space with play calls like that and find ways to kind of utilize the talents that he has so you can get the ball in his hands and let him turn north and south upfield and do the thing that he loves to do, which is take on that contact, run over players, fight through tacklers, do all of that. So I think that there is a clear way to continue to build Taysom Hill's receiving opportunities and his receiving presence in this New Orleans Saints team. And if you're a fantasy football player, that's got to be really exciting to you, especially when you have a guy that's designated as a tight end, but that's going to take quarterback snaps, that's going to get carries, that's going to throw touchdowns, that's going to do all these things, maybe even throw a touchdown to Derek Carr. We'll see if it happens, right? So there's so many of those extra little pieces that he does that if he's also contributing to you as a, let's say a PPR guy, he's getting receptions and all that. I'm, I'm trying to fold more fantasy football in for you. Can you tell? I'm working hard, okay? Uh, but if he, you know, then all of a sudden he's adding all of that for you as well. So it becomes a really interesting sort of like fantasy football play, but we also know that it contributes to the mechanism of this New Orleans Saints offense. When Taysom Hill scores a touchdown, Taysom Hill scores a touchdown or the touchdown gets credited to Taysom Hill to all the fantasy players. But more importantly than that, six points go to the team you're rooting for. And so if you're doing the right thing and you're utilizing him the right way, you're going to score more of those touchdowns. That's kind of the bottom line of how it works with a player that has the amount of talent and usability and versatility and malleability that you can do that, that, that Taysom Hill has. There's so much that you can do with him. So I do think that continuing to develop his game into a larger pass catching role can also be very, very good for him. But don't do that by sacrificing the quarterback snaps. Let him get those quarterback snaps and let him get those routes to run, those pass catching, the, the route tree, like all of those other opportunities that can be there for him. I think the more and the 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 more diversely, I almost said the more differently, but the more diversely you deploy Taysom Hill, the better your offense becomes. Think back to 2011, 2013. Like, think back to guys like um. I mean, I want to say Lance Moore, of course, you can line up all over the place, but even a guy like Marcus Colson can line up all over the place. Look at the way that they use Reggie Bush. Look at the way that they use Darren Sproles. That's probably the best example, honestly. I think we we think Darren Sproles running back, so pair him, and then we, we couple that with Alvin Kamara and say, yeah, you use them the same way, which, fine. But you can use Taysom Hill in many of the same ways, just in terms of understanding what the versatility is, right? You probably don't use him the exact same way as Darren Sproles. I know, I get it, but you understand what I'm saying. Just in terms of maximizing and being able to build off of a an expansive and eclectic skill set. So I think that you give him those quarterback snaps, but yeah, great idea to continue to develop him as a pass catcher and as a receiving option and weapon. All right, coming up next, we're going to wrap up today's show with our midweek fundamentals. We're going to do this every Wednesday throughout the offseason, teaching you a little something about the game of football. I realized that there were a lot of like assumed knowledge phrases that we use for like OTAs and mini camps and things like that. And that's not fair. So let's define those terms so that you know exactly what we're talking about when we say it and why we're oftentimes a little bit skittish about evaluating certain position groups in those settings. Got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
Let's get it. Houdat Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. It is Wednesday, so we are here for our midweek fundamentals. We're going to go over some overused phrases uh, as well as some things that you you probably hear a lot during OTAs, minicamps, especially if you're an everydayer, you've heard these phrases and everything. So let's define them so that you know exactly what they are and why we use them. So the one I want to start with here is one that you have heard a bunch of times and I, you probably are already familiar with it, but I want to just give you a little bit more detail just to make sure that it helps. Um, present, but not participating. What exactly does that mean? I think that we say that a lot, but that doesn't fully convey what it all means because there is an element of participation in the presence. So let's just use Trevor Penning as an example. Somebody on subtext asked me a great question about Trevor Penning earlier, got me to thinking about this. Uh, so when we think about Trevor Penning, we know that he's not participating in that. He's not doing position drills. He's not, and, and when I say position drills, I mean that, you know, he's not running up on the bag. He's not doing any of those things. He's not, do, he's, you know, he's not running the agility drills. He's not doing any of that stuff. Uh, he's not participating in the like seven on seven drills either. So the seven on seven drills will be basically the offense minus the entire offensive line. So you'll have either two running backs and two tight ends, or you'll have two running backs one tight end and three wide receivers along with the quarterback so that, you know, no matter what on the offensive side, you've got seven players. So you have an extra running back or an extra wide receiver or whatever. Uh, and then there are situations. And then over on the defensive side, you just remove the four defensive linemen. That gives you seven on seven in some configuration. And that configuration changes based upon the skill position players that they want to see all of those things. So you might have like, let's say quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. And then so that's six. So you might throw an extra tight end out there. So you've got two tight ends. You might throw an extra running back out there so you've got two running backs, whatever, to make sure that you've got seven players to match up with the seven defenders. Uh, and that gives you opportunity to run and throw and do all those things. So Trevor Penning would inherently not be a part of that anyway. Uh, but if it's a wide receiver that's that's present but not participating, they wouldn't take it. They wouldn't take part in those drills either. Then you've got the full team drills where it's everybody out there. So that's a space where you don't see Trevor Penning participating. So what is he doing? Is he simply present? Is he just like standing there and like leaning up against the fence and just kind of watching everybody? That could be the case sometimes, but for the most part, what he's actually doing is working with a coach, having conversations, watching the defensive players or the offensive line do their reps, and he's going through doing mental reps. He might even do the phrase we would use all the time in like dance and theater was marking, right? It's where you would kind of do everything at like 25%. You're just literally walking through whatever the movement is. And so you might see him marking his pass set, marking his run blocking set, marking his, you know, coming off of the snap, all of those other things. So the work and, and, and there is work happening. And the thing about Trevor Penning is that he's doing all that and you're not seeing, you know, wincing or pain or limping or anything like that. And so that's the good news. So when we say present but not participating, there, there actually is a little bit of participation involved in that. It just depends upon the degrees to it. Like we could technically say that. Michael Thomas was present but not participating because he didn't take part in any of the drills. However, he ran routes with the quarterbacks and the quarterbacks threw him passes and all those other things. So it's not fully, full and all encompassing to say present but not participating. There are some additional details and nuances that go into that. So just keep that in mind whenever you hear it. Um, what about when they say working off to the side with a trainer? So this one's a little bit different because oftentimes when they're working off the side with a trainer, they're not really watching their position group. They're literally just working with the trainer. So let's go back to last year. And an example of this would be Kendra Miller, the first day of OTAs for this year. But let's go back to last year. 
because this was often said about Rashid Shaheed. Rashid Shaheed was often not dressed out, uh, not in any you know uh, garb, uh, no shorts, no shells, no helmet, things like that. Where you, but you would see them running and jogging around the field and and working different sets and things like that, working you know coming off the line of scrimmage and you know your breaks and and, and coming in and out of breaks at the top of your stem and stuff like that, like. They'll, they'll take different pieces of the game to actually work on at a little bit faster speed, but it kind of depends upon the injury. We watched Zach Vaughn uh, last season show up at practice, and we watched that all ramp up to where he was present, and he was working with the trainer, and he was kind of doing some slow-moving stuff. And then the next day, he was doing a little bit more fast-moving stuff. Then the next day, he was doing more fast-moving stuff. And then all of a sudden, he's back in the game, right? He's back in practice the next week after that game. So there's there's varying degrees of that too, but just know that you, usually when we say that somebody is off the side working with a trainer, it's a little bit more like, okay, we're testing something and trying to learn, are you well? Like, are you good? Can you run this? Can you cut? Can you do these things? As opposed to it being more like, all right, watching off to the side and kind of doing things mentally, you're physically being evaluated in those situations. And finally, I want to explain why it is that we oftentimes hold off on evaluations of offensive and defensive line play and why you don't often hear very much about like, oh, Brian Brzee is looking great. Oh, Eric McCoy is looking awesome. Cesar Ruiz is looking really good. All of those things. Why you're not hearing that during OTAs and mini camps, but why you will hear it during training camp. And it's just the model and the sort of, it's the environment of what OTAs and mini camps really are. There's no contact. These guys are not, you know, as pass rushers really trying to come after the quarterback or anything. Uh, the blockers aren't, you know, don't have the same sense of urgency. Their quarterback's in a red jersey. Nobody's trying to hit the quarterback, all that. And so it's not to say that anybody's not doing their all, but they're doing their all within the confines of what they're allowed to do. There's NFL CBA stuff, there's health and safety stuff. There's all these other pieces that kind of go into what phase three practices look like versus what phase four practices look like. The difference between mini camps, OTAs, and training camp is actually pretty big. It's a pretty big difference in terms of how these guys practice and what they're allowed to do in the practices and all that. So if you're not hearing a lot of stuff about Cam Jordan and Carl Granderson and Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard and the rookies and Brian Brzee and Isaiah Foskey and all that, don't worry. That that makes perfect sense right now. It's just that there's not really a lot for us to evaluate at this time. You're not hearing a lot about the running backs because no one's really trying to tackle them, right? And running through the defensive line gets easier and easier and you keep running no matter what, even when the play is blown dead. You continue running because you're never actually going to be taken down to the ground. So you're still on your feet. So you continue to keep your legs churning and you continue to run. So it's a little bit of a, a trickier game to evaluate in the run game, a trickier game to evaluate in the trenches because we're not seeing the full go of it all. So that's why you don't hear a ton of hype about this player on the trenches, this player on the offensive line, this player on the defensive line. And it impacts the running back sometimes too. So those are a couple of things. What present but participating, or present but not participating actually means, what we mean when we say working off on the side with a trainer, and then why you probably don't hear a lot during OTAs and mini hands about the offensive line, defensive line, and sometimes even the running backs, but that will get better as we get into training camp. All right, y'all, coming up tomorrow for all the everydayers out there, I appreciate you as always for making it your first listen of the day every day. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Alante Taylor versus Paulson Adibo. What is the battle? Who has the advantage? Where? And what would you choose when it comes down to making the selection at corner? Do you want the bigger plays or do you want the most consistent 
play? What are the ones that you're looking at? What are the ones that we're looking at? We'll break all that down in tomorrow's episode of Locked on Saints. I appreciate you as always, y'all, for making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. Big shout out to Mathis. Had a wonderful time chopping it up with you the other day, homie, and thanks for helping us get home safe. Appreciate y'all as always. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.